Welcome to the latest episode of The Player's Voice, where this week we are joined by New York goalkeeper and former down player Mick Cunningham. My name is Alan O'Mara. I'm the host of this podcast, a former Cavan goalkeeper, and I'm now a performance and well-being consultant with sports and business leaders around the world. One of the heroes that helped the Exiles to their first ever win in the Connacht Championship earlier this year, Mick tells us why he moved to the Big Apple in the first place and how it's helped him to evolve as a person and a player. Away from the GA here in New York, he is also the co-founder and chief technical officer at Celta AI. During this conversation, Mick talks about community, mindset, dealing with mistakes, work-life balance, and what he has learned from taking the road less traveled. The Player's Voice podcast is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. The podcast series is part of Bio360, a GPA program that empowers inter-county players across four key areas life skills, well-being, dual career and transitions. Please go to bio360.gaelicplayers.com to learn more. To find out more about me or my work as a performance and well-being consultant, please go to www.realtalks.ie. But for now, please sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of The Player's Voice with Mick Cunningham. Mick Cunningham, you're very welcome to The Player's Voice. Thanks for joining us and taking the time out of your, your busy schedule here in New York. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. We'll start with the obvious question. You're a proud Down man, have, have played for Down back home. Um, how did you end up in New York City and how did life take you here? Yeah, first of all, shout out to Down. Looking forward to the final here in a few weeks. Um, yeah, so uh, how I, I got the man here. out of Down, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, watching every kick. Um, how I got here was um, basically opportunity from college. So went to Queens, done a master's in software development and had 12 months bef- 12 months eligibility to get a visa here for the USA. Um, and then took full advantage of that, which was at an awkward enough time now, to be honest, because we literally just got to the Ulster final with down and things were kind of looking up for the first time, maybe in a year or two. So it was difficult to leave, but... Again, once those 12 months after I graduated sort of ran out, that eligibility was gone forever. So it was kind of stick or twist. And I decided, yeah, I'd love to go to the USA because if I got that on my CV, going back for a job in Belfast or Dublin would be, it would look favorably because, you know, you've got that international experience, but also like America is like technology kind of leader of the world and stuff, you know, so it was very much like a career choice and I moved here then with Orla, my girlfriend, who's yeah. from Armagh. So it's good to see Darren going well. Because <laughs> I've yeah. had to listen to a lot of stuff recently from her. Um, but yeah, that's that's the main crux of it. Okay, so it was actually like, you know, it was work and kind of work ambitions that brought you here first as opposed to maybe traditionally lads come over on a J1 for a summer to play a bit of football. But it was kind of you thinking strategically about career and maybe medium term what you wanted in life that brought you to the city in the first place? Yeah, there was there was definitely a lot of factors. Uh, like two years previous, I did do the summer in San Francisco uh, playing football for Michael Cusick's club. Loved it. Um, and then again, like I think for a, a fellow like myself, it's maybe different than years gone by because a lot of people and young people are traveling now, you know what I mean? So you're doing the county senior kind of rigmarole of training six days a week you know you're seeing all your friends maybe jet setting here and there and 
it was kind of like not a FOMO thing, but you know, if I don't make use of one of these opportunities, then they'll just pass me by, you know what I mean? So there was obviously that. And then there was, yeah, like the work aspect, the work aspect was definitely the main one. Um, but it was definitely difficult to leave. Like obviously love down and love Castle Island as well. Like I miss that, but yeah, like I'm delighted I did come now because the experience has been unbelievable. And you said the decision to come here came on the back of you guys had just got to an Ulster final and I think it was 2017, right? Yeah. So yeah, that must have made it, I'm sure that did must have made it even doubly hard to kind of step away or um, to make that decision, did it? Oh yeah, because like those are the games you want to play in. Like you want to play in the big days in Ulster Championship like, and even further than that, the low down, I haven't been there in a while. But um, yeah, so you, you train, like I think it was my fifth year on the panel at that stage and you're training all those years for those kind of days. So then it was difficult to leave when that happened. But again, just being level-headed about the whole thing, I was like, if I don't do it now, then I never will. So I may as well roll the dice, you know? And yeah, would have been like growing up and stuff like was GA like always a big part of like your identity, who you are in your life, was it? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, like going to St. Coleman's, it's every day. And then obviously like, playing for Castle Island the whole way up. Obviously Cuckoo or, or Rivals. Um but yeah, like it was it was just a constant throughout my whole life, playing down minors and down under twenty ones and down seniors. But you're always playing Castle Island minors, Castle Island under twenty ones, you know, and then Queens and it was just every facet of like your being was kind of revolved around, uh, I'll do that after training or we have a game next week, can't do it then. We need to organize that because it'll be after X. You know what I mean? Everything was kind of geared towards or geared around GAA. So what do you think was like helped you then to, I suppose, be able to separate that identity as you just described there, like such a big part of your life. Um, but then to be able to say, no, I'm, I'm going to back myself and I'm going to step away from all this, even if though, if it is something I've been working on or thinking about for years that I'm actually going to back myself and go away and obviously your path that you've taken is now hasn't hasn't looped back yet so like when you look back on that like did that take courage to make that decision um and kind of why do you think you were able to maybe separate that where on previous episodes i know we've talked to players about that kind of let's call it athletic identity where it takes over and it really drives decisions for for long periods of life and they're kind of maybe they almost feel like they're catching up in later life Mm. um what do you think kind of helped you navigate that or make that decision at that point um, I don't know is a short answer to that question, but I would consider myself like, like really embraces kind of challenges and like, I suppose being ambitious is, is a different way of saying that. But again, it was more like, okay, I can go to America here with a master's degree. You're all, obviously then you're steps ahead of people you're competing against because it costs so many hundreds of thousands of dollars here for people to have masters. So you're in the top 10% there off the bat. So then it was, okay, the opportunity there could be pr- pretty huge. You could be living in a city like New York. I had visited it before and I was like, this is unbelievable. You could live there and you can work there for 12 months. And Again, it's one birthday, you know what I mean? It's one Ulster Championship campaign. It's like one, and that's the way I was looking at it. Like I'll go for 12 months and then I'll come back and hopefully things won't be too different or the, you know, like the layout won't be too different. But that was, that was the initial plan and still here six years later. 
As I'm right in saying then, like you've like you've lived there all the time since then. I'm sure you've been home for a couple of bits and pieces, but like yeah, yeah. here has been home since that decision. Yeah, story of it. Yeah. Story of Queens. Yeah, yeah. But I but I do love it. I do love living here. Sure. Like, don't get me wrong. You work hard. Uh, things are pretty centered around work. But then once you get into that kind of competitiveness and that competitive environment, it's I kind of enjoy that aspect of it. You know. Yeah, and I'll definitely come to the work side of your life in a little bit. And I think like, maybe for now, I'll just stick with like the GA pad. So I suppose here in New York, like you're coming, you think obviously you are coming for work and you've made that decision. Uh, does the GA enter your life here as almost an afterthought or as a knock on of just being here? Or had you sought it out beforehand? How did that kind of, how did the GA rediscover you here or how did you rediscover it? I suppose there's another sort of aspect and maybe a reason why I moved, but uh it it is taxing on your mind like playing county football i suppose everybody can can sympathize who's done it but like you know you can maybe be in and out of the team you're training as i say six times a week for me i was living in belfast living and working in belfast but when you're on then the county panel like you need to be rep you need to represent your club as well like i'm not saying that's a like a hindrance or anything it's just comes with comes another with commit, it. like it's a yeah, double yeah. commitment and, and like obviously love playing for the town like but mm -hmm. it was just then traveling from Belfast to Caswell back to Belfast then to Newry for training with down and you did seem feel like you know you're just you know running here there and everywhere running to work home grab the bag running to training you're home then at about 11 11 30 and then you're straight back up, straight back to work, you know, and then obviously then running to Caswell for like games we would have. So like that was kind of taxing on the mind too. So did it take its like did it take its toll on you in terms of like either trying to perform or that kind of or love or a grow for the game, whatever you want to call it? Like did it take its toll on that? Yeah, at times because like again, being a keeper, it's maybe different because you need to be mentally strong, I would say is probably the most important thing because you're gonna make mistakes like everybody else when you make a mistake, the ball's in the net. So like, it's about coming back from that and realizing, okay, I'll not have an opportunity. Like if a forward kicks the ball wide, he can get the ball five minutes later. Whereas if like you let the ball slip through your hands, the chances of that opportunity coming up again, or maybe, maybe two or three games time, you know what I mean? So it's like, you need to be mentally strong there. Then when you can get dropped, it can, you know, you can get dropped for silly things. I remember getting dropped for like, I don't know, something mundane. And then you're like, you know, I'm doing all this training and I'm getting dropped for that. Like, that's just so annoying, you know? So then I'm bringing this back around by the way, but th those were all kind of feelings at the time as well. Um, and then, you know, it is just taxing at the start of the year thinking like this is it for the next maybe 11 months, you know what I mean? When the season's about to start. So then when I came over here to New York, um, obviously got in contact with Brooklyn like Tommy McConvey uh, was happy enough just playing with them um, and still play with them but with the New York like county team I, di I didn't really have any interest and I'm not saying that as a bad thing either but it was like you know you landed and then it was okay training starts like maybe next week or something and I was like you know what it's not down no offense it's not down it's not Caswell so I was like I'm not gonna go to that immediately and then again though after a few years, like the opportunity came up again and I was like, you know, there would be something I'd be interested in. But at that time it was, I moved over and again, thinking about my career, I was like, okay, I've worked here. I want to work as hard as I can. I'm maybe just going to like, you know, put the GA in the back burner in the beginning. And then again, like 
can't speak highly enough of Tommy McConvey. Like he's been unbelievable with Brooklyn and so accommodating to kind of anything. Like and yeah, he's he's a great manager too. You know, he loves the shout out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in some ways, they make like the the club scene here did kind of help re-energize you towards playing and maybe helped you find a better if you want to call it sport life work balance whatever you managed to maybe as a surprise to yourself but you managed to find it here better maybe more so than home where from listening to you there there's like there's pressure and expectation of like obviously home county and home club but then also the pressure of being a goalkeeper where you know if there's one position and if you're in you can make a mistake and you're gone and then you're just sitting waiting it's a pain i know well yeah um yeah. So did it kind of surprise you to almost kind of stumble across a better formula to enjoy and appreciate those kind of couple of different pillars of life being in, in sync or in tandem? Oh yeah, 100%. Like the the GAA over here is pure community, I would say, first and foremost. It's it's unbelievable. Like I know like playing for Castle Island, if you're playing Cuckoo or Bransford, like there's no love lost, let's just say that. But like over here after the game, don't get me wrong, people want to win, but after the game you know it's not unusual you're drinking a beer with someone you literally were cutting lumps out of 20 minutes before that um even like funny enough stories like you know when we won the intermediate championship like the next day there was a load of like Westmeath boys who were even playing in the final in the team photo with us with the cup in the, you know in the bar the next day it's it's stuff like that because again everybody realizes like no one's really here just to play football they're here to make a better life for themselves so like yeah like when the ball's through in and between those 60 minutes you want to win but when that's over like if you're a genuine lad it, there's it's not outside the realms of possibility that maybe like the opposition manager is your boss or things like that that you don't get at home and yeah, I think that's I think that's unbelievable for New York to have. Yeah, it definitely is. It's like you know, we've both been on the scene here locally in in different capacities. Like it definitely is a real. It's, it's like a different experience of the same thing. Yeah. Um, and it definitely, I feel like, has that wider perspective you mentioned, like that acknowledgement of work, or the, lots of people have arrived here for different reasons, or you know, are actually getting away from various things back home, or like that can be from burnout to wanting work opportunities, whatever it may be. But I suppose I'm curious then, like you mentioned, kind of when the opportunity came up to play with New York again, then kind of what was that itch in your own kind of mindset, regardless of like the team set up or where they were at? Like what was giving you that sense or um, to kind of jump back in at, a, I suppose, a higher level up again? Um, Again, I'm not, there's no like silver bullet for this. I, I don't know what it really was but I'd be very friendly with Paddy Boyle over here who's obviously cast man man too but he's a glutton for punishment he's played for New York for like 10 years but he would always be on to me like like come on and we'll you know come on to training whatever else uh, and I was always like for the first few years I was like no I'm, I don't have much interest in it um, to be honest and then just this last two years I think Johnny Meaney obviously becoming the manager um different bits different ducks aligned if you get me um and then it was like okay this this maybe seems like seems like an opportunity that i could do if i you know move some things around and I'm, i'd probably be happy for doing it if you get me um, and it's definitely proves that way uh, but at that time like a year and a half ago it was more like i actually miss it as well you know what i mean like i miss the kind of not the strictness of it but the kind of routine of you know needing that discipline in your life or something it's not that i was 
miss like missing that kind of aspect but it was just that okay like there's a group of fellas here that are ambitious to do something big and like you can be a part of that and you know have one common goal it's a pretty powerful thing you know so it was like okay i missed that sort of aspect and then i know you, you mentioned paddy there like and it must i know i saw a picture we'll come to like the lead program this year and actually new york getting over that um or climbing that mountain that's been there in front of them for a long time. But like I saw a picture of you with Paddy, you know, you mentioned he's from Castlewell and I'm right. So you are from like a hundred yards away from each other or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it like then kind of particularly over the last year, like year or two, like being together with someone from that close to home, but kind of playing the same sport in New York and having all those kind of extra experiences together like oh yeah it's unreal it's like we never left if you get me you know what i mean um there's actually another picture of me and him playing like it's my first ever senior game it's like what like nearly 15 years ago now and he's in the club at home obviously yeah yeah yeah. and yeah like playing with him is is unreal he obviously plays with brooklyn now as well uh but yeah it's like we never talk about it or anything but it's just like nothing's different you know like we chat, chat to each other a few times a week obviously see each other training then and probably see each other maybe once a month the weekends and stuff just hang hang around with each other like again like nothing's new you know and then so talk to you about that like signing up for that challenge of inter-county football with new york it's obviously i'm sure we'll come to it. it's a very different experience to playing at inter-county level at home and for multiple reasons in terms of facilities or schedule or games and all that kind of stuff um talk to me a little bit about what it was like then to actually have that moment and have that like huge like monumental being and to be part of the first group to ever do it on like for new york here this year against leitrim yeah it was unreal um i guess maybe the enormity of it hasn't sunk in and maybe won't for years to come but like you don't think it has Ah, uh, like it was unbelievable, but I think maybe like in years to come, you'll be like, you know what, that was maybe cooler than I thought at the time. Um, but yeah, it, it was class. But again, like it's, it's not by accident, you know, like there's been years there, like lads, I don't even know. I know they ran Common really close. Uh, the work that they've been doing like for years is, is unbelievable. And then... I don't know, again, like this year, just everything kind of came together. But I would say like special shout out to like the management team and like the physios and all, like we'd want for nothing. And then obviously like the captain, Johnny Glynn, who's like, I don't know, just like a different kind of person. Like he's like the best motivator maybe I've ever come across. So like all those things pulling in that direction. Then, and then obviously like the bond amongst the lads, which I think maybe shone through in like extra time or whatever that, everybody's willing to put their body on the line or whatever and to get us over the line so yeah it was it was unreal but again like i wouldn't really be too like looking back on it now it's more like let's try and do something with brooklyn this year you know what i mean it's but i think in years to come you'll maybe reflect on it a bit differently and be like yeah like that was pretty class what we did that day you know yeah you definitely i i mean i've known that it will like it is something of that like historic nature is a huge achievement and for you guys to have done the ga- done that together like you mentioned the bond there you mentioned a few of the individuals and it was like I suppose one of the questions I would have to ask like did you like did you see it coming like were the clues there like did you expect to get that win and kind of if so what were those clues what was driving that sense of we can do this even though I touched upon earlier let's say like Leitrim games or whatever it was mate but what was giving you guys that like what were the clues or what was the 
the the things that we're giving you as a group the confidence that we can get this done i think like quality in the kind of personnel we had like we obviously have unbelievable quality of footballer like even the new york championship is pretty you know it's pretty surprising to a lot of people that come over just the kind of technical ability of obviously all the players there but you know like irish american guys are unbelievable players and then like again homegrown players are unbelievable technically um but like i think the the, the strength of the panel was unreal and that made like AVB games unreal. Uh, there was boys breathing down your neck for your jersey, which made you know you kind of make sure you need to you need to perform or else you know like. And again, not saying that as in like you need to go into yourself a bit. It's more like look, this team is moving forward with or without you, so you need to be on point, you know. And then again, even we got beat by Sligo in that semi final. Like boys were so disappointed because we didn't perform, you know. Like that was that was unbelievably annoying like and afterwards because again like we would have high standards of each other and like all those things just kind of just kind of came to head then and it was like a perfect storm for the Leitrim game you know and then kind of stick with the Leitrim game for a second like like brilliant game it kicks off the championship and the people all over the world are watching it GA fans I was watching it myself I was actually down in Philadelphia and finishes normal time, finishes extra time and it goes to penalties. And I remember saying to like the people that I was with, they were like, oh, I'd hate to be involved in the penalty show. And I was like, if I was the keeper there, I could be licking me lips. Um, yeah. I suppose I throw it to you. Where was your head at in terms of having like just the, I suppose there's been so few penalty shootouts at that level in the J, it's still a relatively new thing. I know you're a skilled goalkeeper and have, have been for years and there was a penalty shootouts and penalty kicks and that. Where was your mind at? Like, where were you, what were you thinking as it was going to penalties? I always think like in a penalty shootout as a keeper, like you can't lose because the, the forward's meant to score, if you get me. So like, if he misses, like it's just up to you to maybe try and put him off and then, you know, pick a side and go. And like, obviously if you save it, happy days, but there's no pressure on you to save it where there's pressure on him to score it you know so it's yeah I was I was like calm as could be I, I didn't really think of the moment or anything it was just there's a boy hitting the ball here I need to stop it you know what I mean like and literally I would look at like football like that I would say like in years gone by I maybe built it into something it isn't it's like your job is to keep the ball out of the net you know what I mean and keep it simple and just focus on the current play things like that and that's what I was doing at that time um yeah but it was funny now looking back like one of the one of the managers was like uh I actually named him here but Tommy Quaid was like uh your boy your boy uh Keith Byrne is going this side so I literally was like yeah yeah Tommy no and like walked away and was like I'm definitely diving the other side <laughs> and I did and I saved it then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like that was the kind of like I was I was yeah I was calm as could be like I wasn't getting worked up or anything mm-hmm. because when you do that you're just not going to be able to like perform at your best you know yeah I think you described that kind of mindset really nicely of you know actually feeling liberated from the pressure but also like having an opportunity to kind of do your thing and just to enjoy it almost oh, yeah. um and is that something like linking it back to what we you kind of touched upon earlier say back at home when you're with down and with the club and kind of the pressure, or not the pressure, I know you, that's, I don't want to put that in your mouth, but when that kind of enjoyment had dwindled, like, 
the ability to be able to go next ball or to stay in that moment and to be calm like is that something you learned and developed within yourself in the intervening years or like because it just sounds like there was kind of a it does sound like there's a different kind of mindset kind of coming through towards say this year i don't know if, I, if i'm wrong with that you can tell me to shut up but i just kind no. of up on that as you're talking no i think even myself like i would read a lot like i'm an avid reader and like i have an interest in psychology like i talked to a load of lads about it but a psychologist in northern ireland i would read a lot of his books mark elliott and like his uh his books are unbelievable for that but just like just staying in the moment, uh, just playing the play you're in and trying to remember like why you're there and you know, why you train so hard and stuff like that because of X moments, you know? So again, I would do like a lot of mental work. And I think like any kind of keepers or anyone listening to this who is a goalkeeper, like I would say that's maybe the most important aspect of your game if you want to get to the next level because any goalkeeper can catch volleys for an hour on a Tuesday and Thursday night. You know what I mean? It's more when you hit a ball out of the sideline, how do you react? Mm-hmm. It's when you like, you know, drop the ball through your hands, how do you react? And like, I remember like even growing up, I was, you know, I used to be slagged or I would put it lightly slagged that like I was like weak under high balls and stuff. And like when you're mentally kind of in your own head, that stuff can annoy you to like uh to a point where you're not performing as well as you want but again just from just from re- just from putting the mental work in like i think an ulster final i caught you know like maybe four high balls over like his head on, on yeah, yeah. Or I got, or but yeah like, with people yeah but it's like things like that that it's more like there's no question of ability again like i would say again i don't this is just me throwing a throwing a number at it but I would say like when you get to those county senior levels, like the goalkeepers are technically unbelievable. Like there's so little between, especially goalkeepers are so little between. Maybe nowadays there's more because of like Sonal Morgan and Ethan Rafferty are running out, but by and large, there's so little between one and 16 that it's like, how are you going to differentiate yourself? And I think the mental side is the most important thing because again, when you do make mistakes, like you inevitably will, you know there's a guy breathing down your neck if you're like, oh, well, I kicked the ball out of the lane and now he's going to get in and now I'm crap. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that can really play on you. Whereas if you kick the ball out of the lane and be like, you know what? And this is what I do do is like, what one of them things? <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't care less. Like I, I always think it's hilarious as well. It's just a tangent, but I always think it's hilarious when managers say like no goals or you know, we need to win all our kickouts. You know, as if I'm trying to concede goals or trying to give the ball away. <laughs> it's like, well, every kickout I try to yeah. get it to our players. <laughs> yeah, you know? I'm trying here. <laughs> yeah. So like, again, you need to realize that you're not going to have a perfect game. There's like, again, that Leitrim game, we were doing analysis after it and there's one kickout I kicked literally to a Leitrim man, like oceans of space. Like there's no New York man near him. And like, I remember that happening in the game and I'm just like, like, what about it (laughs) and like yeah again just getting back to it like okay that play is gone what can I do now to help my team and looking forward I'll try not to do that again you know what I mean like so like having that kind of flippant attitude but underlying that there is a powerful thing of parking mistakes and just focusing on what you can focus on you know or controlling what you can control no definitely and like thank you for like the insight and to your perspective on what that actually is in practice and 
kind of even trying to take it to another level, what I was thinking as you were talking there, Mick, is that like, it kind of sounds like you went from, you know, people talk about resilience and that's, you know, responding to setbacks or bouncing back from adversity. And normally it starts with like something happens and it might take you a couple of days to bounce back from it. Um, and then but you, what you're describing there in terms of mental work, it sounds like you're getting it to a point where you can respond immediately. You're almost in the moment. And you mentioned doing mental work a, a little bit there or reading. And I'd just be kind of curious for anyone listening that, you know, wants to kind of try and evolve that in themselves or develop that. If there's anything practical that worked for you um, and how you actually did develop that as a skill and to be able to do that in the moment and in real time. Yeah. Well, again, I don't even reach out to me if they want, like on Twitter or anything, but you get out of it what you put in you know what i mean so like those kind of mental health books focused on sport really helped me because people have been there and done it maybe in the, the highest echelons of sport not just like the ulster or Connacht championship like you know the olympic games things like that and mistakes happen like shit happens as the saying goes like and that that's across life you know it's not as if you know, things are unpredictable outside of the pitch and then the minute you walk on it, everything has to go to plan. Things happen that are outside of your control and being able to realize that is a big thing in itself first. But then like just being able to stay in the moment, park hours, like even again, I'm not an arrogant fella or bigging myself up or anything, but in that Leitrim game, I hit two frees. The first one, I kicked it wide and like, that was not a, like the second one I kicked it over, but the second one, I was not thinking about the first one. You know, it's like, again, when the first one went white, I was like, well, I tried that. It worked maybe nine times out of 10, didn't work there. So like back to the drawing board, you know what I mean? But it's yeah, that kind of flippant kind of upbeat attitude. And then the next one, it went straight over. But like, again, even there at the weekend, we played Barnabas, I hit like three, I think, and all three went wide. But other days they go over, you know? So like, Cutting yourself some slack is a big one too. Cause like, okay, I used to be, oh, I made three one-on-one saves, but sure I kicked three kickouts away. Like, geez, I'm useless. You know what I mean? Like, and like- You're talking that from like a self-talk perspective yeah, and kind of beating like, yourself up like internally. Oh yeah. Like if you're, especially younger when you're trying to get on, you know, like a minor team or something like that, you're like, I thought I did all right, but then I missed that and that. And then you're like, I'm focusing on the stuff that didn't do well. Like it's, it's just not a good way to kind of grow. Obviously, uh, don't be naive or don't be like completely out of touch of reality as well. Like, you know, but try and focus on what you did do well. And then like, yeah, I know we missed that, but like, how can I make sure that the, the work I'm going to do in training or, or elsewhere is going to help me have a better chance of, you know, like it going right the next time. Cause another thing I think about as well, I don't know, like I'm just giving you an insight, but like, if, if you're hitting a free, and I don't know if other free takers think about this, but like, again, sometimes the ball goes wide, but maybe you're a bit against the wind or something and you're thinking about it and you're like, look, well, if I'm hitting it from like the left side, I don't want to hit it. I don't want to put it wide on the near post. So like, I know I'm into a big wind here. So I need to like, I need to lift it obviously towards the right and hope it draws in. But like, there's a lot of things that can happen here that can be outside of my control. So if I give this a chance, then you know what I mean there's a chance it can go over whereas if I try to like burst the ball no it could probably hit it you know on the wrong side and stuff like that so it's like again doing things like that you know yeah it sounds like listening as I'm listening to you there like it was it's almost like a case of you 
becoming more like self-compassionate with yourself and actually giving yourself permission to either fail in the first place. And if you do so to kind of just reflect on it, um, use whatever learns you take from it. And just, I think I said reload there and just kind of go again. Is that kind of where, is, yeah, like, I'm just repeating that over and over again, because there's not, I suppose sometimes with this, sometimes people can think there's a magic, you know, there's a silver bullet or I read this book. So it's all good. But this, this is probably a process you're talking about over it's, Probably years, right? Oh yeah, but it, again, in those in those books I was reading, it was like be preference led. So like, I'd prefer this happen, to, this to happen this way. Um, I understand that that doesn't happen. And once you start getting into that, it is actually real powerful because you're kind of developing processes of well, I want to hit the ball here and do this and make myself big for that. And then you learn like. And you are cutting yourself some slack. So you're like, you prefer obviously to make the save, but then you're like, well, I made myself big there and I didn't save it. So like, what can I learn from that? And then everything turns into learning. It's not like, oh, geez, I just considered a goal that, you know what I mean? And then you're like, you're probably on the back foot mentally. Whereas if you're like, okay, you're proactive about everything, you're open to learning in every game and you're preference led, like you've got a nice cocktail there of like performing very well, you know? No, definitely. And like, as I'm listening to you talk there, Mick, we've talked a lot about your evolution and say a lot of that there the last couple of minutes has been on the football side of the house. But I suppose today I'm here with you or we're in the offices or in just off Union Square in New York um, where, where your day job is. And I know your work commitments was the reason that you went home in New York and played against Sligo in the Connex semi-final, but you weren't able to go back the couple of weeks later when they played against Carlo. Um, yeah, I'd just like to say something about that as well. Like the management were unbelievably accommodating for me. Like I couldn't ask for more. So like before the season started, I was like, I've got a lot of work commitments and they were, they were very accommodating. So I really appreciated that. And you feel with that appreciation of understanding being contrast to what goes on at home a lot of the time from an intercounty setup? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, no, I can obviously it's, the end of the day you got to be i'm sure you do have a sense of gratitude and appreciation that you got to be there this year and then but i do kind of want to if it's okay with you pivot to your your life outside of football now and i appreciate we've had a good conversation those insights um yeah so just tell me about your day job here i so you're the chief technical officer t- chief te- oh, i butchered that i have to go again <laughs> you're the chief technical officer at, at zelta yeah yeah um, so just, I, I had a look at the website, I'm not going to lie to you, a little bit above my pay grade. <laughs> but just tell us a little bit about what you're up to, mate, kind of how you ended up here and what it's been like as an experience for you. Yeah, so Chief chief tech, Technical Officer here at Zelda AI. And what we do at Zelda is help product teams in business-to-business businesses. So like businesses that don't really deal with consumers, they deal like a middleman between two other businesses. So we help those kind of businesses understand their customers better from a lot of their like unstructured data it would be called trying to like keep this kind of short and concise and understandable but for example sales teams and big like let me go again sorry a lot of like a lot of businesses now are like software products so they're like maybe web applications or they're something you use like People can relate perhaps with stuff like Slack or, you know, messaging applications within work. So there are products of those businesses, if you get me. So those businesses have product teams and they're always talking to their customers. And what we do is we 
take all that data that they have with their customers and pull out and mine insights to help them make their product better. So okay. again, we help B2B SaaS companies, which is like business to business software as a service companies, understand their voice of customer. So like they have all these sales calls, all these product calls, uh, because a product manager is going to want to know what his customers are saying about his product. So how can he improve it? What do they love? What do they not love? How can we add stuff on? It's going to make it more impactful. We mine all those insights from all that huge treasure chest of data they have and they're sitting on. Um, and yeah, we mine those insights and give it to them. And then obviously you're based here in New York City. I'm sure already you're dealing with, like these are, this is big clients on a huge scale, I'd imagine. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, well, some of our some of our earlier customers were smaller businesses, but now we have some bigger businesses that have like yeah, hundreds of calls a day. Okay. So like again, it's our our ideal scenario is a product manager can come in and see okay, there's the last five hundred calls processed. Mm. Everybody's talking about this. There's been a spike in talking about you know changing this in our product, and then using that information that used to take them weeks, now it takes them a few minutes they can then prioritize what to do in their company, you know? I was going to say, so for a, a dummy like me, it's almost like real-time feedback in terms of what's coming through, that you're getting that in a pretty much a, a much quicker turnaround to then to make decisions and like drive change or fix whatever you need to fix. Is that what it is? Yeah, 100%. So like sales teams may be like the best example to understand, although we were focused more on product teams, but sales teams are trying to sell stuff all the time, you know what I mean? So like they have hundreds of calls or whatever. Um, and if we can pull out insights and what's working in those sales, if you get me, then okay. obviously that information is vital for everybody. And then kind of zooming out with the technical side of it then for a second, Mick. So chief technical officer, but you're also a co-founder. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so how long are you doing this? And then I suppose second question is what possessed you to leave kind of a more traditional steady job, which I think was a software engineer. Um, what kind of, what drove you to make that change and to kind of jump into something or a bigger challenge like this, I suppose, let's call it that. Um, yeah, so I started about a year ago, uh, just before summer last year with Pierce Healy and Connor McGinnis, two friends. Um, what motivated me to do that was I was a lead engineer for Barclays in, it's like a Wall Street investment bank on the trading team. And. I moved away from like hands-on stuff to more managing people and like I did enjoy it but it was more like okay I could do this job for another x amount of years and then the two guys sort of approached me and were like you know we're gonna pull the trigger now to do this year startup and I was like I always wanted to start my own company too so it was more like okay right again similar to like the decision to move into New York it was like the ducks are aligning here. There's a finite time period, so it's kind of now or never. Um, and then, yeah, like started that then. But it's been a whirlwind yeah. roller coaster up to this point. Um, but things are going pretty good, to be honest. Uh, like we've raised over $1.3 million from like venture funds and uh, angel investors. And like we're onboarding a lot of customers. This last month has been crazy with just customer conversions and Again, like once people see the value add of understanding what's happening with their customers within minutes, it's like, geez, if we had that, we can accelerate our own business, maybe 10x, because at the minute it's taken us a week to get what our customers are saying last week, whereas now it could be 10 minutes and we can then move forward with that information because information is key with everything, you know? 
Yeah, it's um, it it sounds like it's actually a very exciting time for I suppose the line of work you're coming from, but also this opportunity that you have. I mean that the industry in terms of AI and these kind of insights is definitely seeing and reading about it a lot more right now. It's not my world, and I'm sure for most of you listening won't be like it won't necessarily be either but i suppose coming back to the the personal side of it to to make a jump like that and to jump in and as you said to kind of recognize this and there's a clear in your previous place there's a clear kind of you know progression there slow and steady or that kind of thinking a safe let's call it a safer path yeah um and then to kind of to go the road less traveled and to jump into something that's I'd imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, very exciting, but also probably more messy at times. Oh yeah. Um, let's start with the enjoyment part. What have you What have you enjoyed about this experience the most since you've since you've jumped in on say the last twelve months? I think like just you learn. You need to learn, or else you know if you don't learn how to do things and move the business forward, then you're just gonna gather dust. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna rust if you stop. So like the learning curve is unbelievably high i think that i've loved literally getting down into the weeds of coding like i code like every day myself and karim our other engineer and tyrus another engineer we've hired but the three of us guys we just constantly talking constantly talking about how to improve like our algorithms things like that there's so much problem solving with that and like you wouldn't believe the amount of nuance around designing a software product especially in ai because literally things are changing by the week so that is you're in the thick of it and like hell that's it's unbelievably exciting being in that but again yeah it's, it's stressful at times too and like you work a lot i could probably work 100 hours a week but it's unbelievable in the sense that like you're the master of your own destiny you know like myself pierce and connor we're the management team the c-suite the hr everything <laughs> we're everything like and yeah, there's there's times where we not butt heads, but like there's maybe disagreements and stuff. But all that is absolutely unbelievable life experiences. You know what I mean? Because you're getting all that in such a short period of time. People you meet is unbelievable. The decisions you have in the sense that like I think this would work. And even like the Karim and Tyrus, if they come to me and say we should change this technically, I'll be like. It would probably take about an hour for us to discuss this in depth or we could try it and see what our customers think and like make that a five minute discussion, you know? So like those two guys have a lot of like ownership and autonomy as well, which empowers them, which makes them more emotionally invested. And it's, it is, it's similar to being like a GA team. You have that kind of common goal of we're against the odds here. Cause I think only what, like the odds are stacked against you as a, like, a, especially as a software startup, you're against the odds. We're all, pulling together and we're all trying to figure this out and yeah it's it's unbelievably exciting like you're jumping out of bed like in the mornings yeah because it definitely you know as a kind of recap some of what you said there like so there's like there's more variety because you're across more things but then you're also getting to do some of the more basic skill stuff that say in a previous position where you got into management and it was more people orientated yeah. and then just that's that constant sense of like thinking on your feet and learning and like um I definitely can even tell as you're listening there, like that kind of, I think variety is probably the word that's coming to my mind and it's kind of pushing different parts and poking at different parts of you each and every day to kind of keep growing and to keep adapting. And 
we've covered that earlier for maybe the sports side, but it sounds like that's also rolled across into your life and something that you want and are trying to drive for yourself outside of sport as well. Like, is it? hundred percent. But another thing that is, it's so, the skills are so transferable because again, here is like, if we focus on maybe our competitors or people like that who are, have degrees from the best universities in the world have, you know, they are, like everybody's smart, you know, everybody's trying to like find a solution that you're trying to find too. If you focus on that kind of thing, it could be very intimidating, but if you control what you can control and like, you know, talk to the two lads who are very smart lads as well, but you talk to people, you try and figure things out, you try and see what's most impactful for your customers. And then it's just about iterating on that kind of flywheel, you know, like, is this working? Yes. Okay. Double down. Is it not? Okay. Let's get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and the speed of iteration is kind of addictive as well. And yeah, no, I, I do love like working in a startup. It's It's been like a game changer. And then on the flip side of that, so you mentioned the 100 hour work week there. Mm-hmm. Um, how, because I suppose I come at it from the perspective of if I was just to this, say particularly in Ireland, they might hear in New York City, you mentioned, you know, 1.3 million and there's these clients ever. So it can be like, oh, that's all sunshine and rainbows. You're living the dream, kid, fair play, good job. You know, yeah. if only I could do that. But again, I mean, this is sincerely like in terms of then the work-life balance and the kind of combat and burnout and making sure your well-being is looked after and cared for. Has there been challenges to that in the last year as you adjust to this new role and this new challenge? Because I presume there had like, sometimes when we go through big changes, like you can get messy or there is challenges and we have to kind of accept that um, and deal with them. I suppose, we'll just be curious, has there, has there been that for you? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, like, don't get me wrong. There's times where like the, the previous job I had, you know, you're, you're, you're leaving that behind with like whatever salary it is and stuff. You're taking a big cut that road. You're working probably two or three times more. Um, there's just a lot you're kind of, I don't even want to call it sacrificing, but there's just a lot of decisions you're making that maybe just aren't the easiest of decisions. Um, but yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Like you could make the best solution in terms of code uh, ever. And if our customers don't, if it doesn't resonate with them, we have to get rid of it. So like, it's about not having an ego either, if you get me. And yeah, like that is a, that is a learning curve too, because you know, you're coming from like a, a nice enough job where you're working reasonable hours and then you're moving into like working like every hour God sends. And sometimes you're told like, this is pure crap. We need to move in a different direction. If you weren't steely and you, you know, you didn't have like the spine to kind of take that on the chin and move forward, then it might not be for you. But yeah, I would like to say that like, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Like, I don't know how many times I've been out this year or anything like that, but you do kind of give up a lot of stuff, but at the same time, once you invest in it emotionally and you're committed to trying to make this company be the best it can be, all those things don't seem like sacrifices then, you know what I mean? It's just, okay, well, we need to move faster. So that's just the way it's going to be, you know? And like, again, once you get it, I don't think that happens overnight. For me, it didn't anyway, because of the background I had, but gradually it's like, all of a sudden you see it's now like, 6 30 and then it's 7 30 and then it's 9 30 and you're like i need to finish that thing and you know what i mean and again look let's let's be honest and 
address kind of elephant in the room like the chances of you keeping that up for you know a long time is probably very slim so again i don't have a mortgage right now i don't have any youngsters um now is the time where i have the ability to do that because in a few years time i may not you know so i don't want to leave any stone unturned i don't want to give it the best shot i can and with that mentality and with that being my way like you're you're able to you're able to give up things that you previously might not have or you're able to like you know put your head down for another few hours when in previous times you might have just relaxed or something you know yeah i think that's it like that perspective you just shared is is like really important and that like it's something that you're signing up for and choosing and like you do have, it definitely sounds like you've got like a clear sense of purpose on it and like there's this sense or this sniff of opportunity and like this is like this is a time that I can do this and I'm going to in a way that we, as we're, we're chatting here, like hopefully that it does pay off down the line. And like, but like, but it, it does sound like as well, you also have an awareness that, Hey, like this is not going to be my work life for 20 years or for 10, like for 10 years. Am I right in saying that too? Like, yeah. But another thing I would say, like, and don't let it fool you is like, I want to win. Like, you know what I mean? And that's with everything. And, and talking previously there about getting myself into those mental states, I only got there because that's the best way I can perform because I want to win. You know what I mean? So like, if you ask any of my family or like all this family or anything, it's like, I want to win at everything. Like, you know what I mean? I remember like Christmas there, I fell out over a game of guess who, <laughs> but that's just the personality. It's like, right. you want to win at everything. And that's the same here. It's like, well, if we're we're one of thousands of startups yes we've done some things up to this point but there's people working hard across the street you know what i mean so like how are we going to beat them well, we need to iterate faster well how are we going to do that well, we need to find out what works and what doesn't well, how are we going to do that you know what i mean you can drill it down like yeah and am, am i right in saying that like the industry that you're in making like what you're trying to do like that that's got to be a doggy world doggy dog world here in new york city right oh, I mean, yeah it's wider than new york but that's a everyone's scrapping to get there to like to find them like this solution or the clear yeah answer first right that's a race oh yeah big time and how long will the race go on for (laughs) i don't know but big thing as well is it's a it's a bit of a blessing too because they'll not mince their words if they don't like something you know so like you quickly find out what works and what doesn't and that that's really vital information when you're in your winner winner in our infancy you know yeah, and as I listen to you there, like I'm kind of half laughing when you're thinking of you flipping the guess who board in the apartment or wherever you are. Um, but like, did you always have that competitive streak or that competitive spirit? But over the as the years have gone on and you've evolved and probably experienced failure and setbacks, that you've just set yourself up in a way that a you can better cope with the setbacks, but b you touched upon it there, like actually perform better, and that's both in work, sport, and across your life, like. Yeah, it's a very weird kind of thing that I would need to maybe sit down and write out my thoughts on it. But just off the top of my head, like used to be very, very intense, analyze everything to the nth degree and maybe not perform as well as I know I could have, which which would make you even angrier, which would make you want to analyze things more. So it's kind of like a feedback loop where you're going down further and further into like a maybe negative kind of path. It's a rabbit hole. Yeah, but it's like that paradox of to have more control you have to give some of it up so like leaving that go and being like you know what i'll try and do this this way and i'll you know 
I would rather this happen this way. And as I say, like being preference led, first of all, I want to enjoy it. Second of all, I want to, you know, play in a way that helps my team win and doing that and taking a step back and then being like, okay, well, how do I do that? Well, I perform best if I'm out there with a smile on my face, but how to do that? Well, it'd be like, give cutting myself some slack for making any mistakes or, you know, not getting too high if I do anything well. And then it's like, how to do that? So it's similar to the work thing I just said there. You kind of backwards engineer that, okay, if I'm in this sort of frame of mind, again, you towards now in my career, it's like stuff doesn't bother me if it goes wrong now. It's like, and that's a byproduct of that too, because stuff can go wrong even in work or on, on the pitch. And you're like, okay, well, that's just the way things go sometimes, like move on. Whereas if that was back when it was like really intense, you would like take that as like a, oh, that's just an illustration of I'm not, up to this you know what i mean so it's like being a lot more relaxed having i don't know having like enjoyment at the forefront this is like in a football sense but in the work sense too it's like being a lot more relaxed knowing where we're trying to get to and understand there's going to be setbacks all along the way having that outset is like making me perform better than it would if it was intense you know what i mean so like to, to get better it's not like getting down in the weeds too much it's more like you know at a high level if that makes any sense don't know if i describe no i think it does like and like one of the ways i would often do it both for myself and with other people is just a little simple triangle of like you know one like you prepare like okay what's coming ahead what do i want to try and do here then you go and do it like you perform so it's like hey how does like let's try literally we've talked about it let's go and do it and then afterwards you reflect on it it's like hey what went well what didn't and it's just like a very simple prepare perform reflect that's how i always just try and make sense of it i think that's what you're kind of yeah talking about in the it's definitely within the same the same wheelhouse but i I suppose what i was going to ask you to that was i'm just curious on it is you talk about that process of um say the self and self-analysis or that kind of we said like feedback loop down into the weeds and giving yourself permission to not fully go there or or be at at a higher level curious about did you also have to develop that and how you dealt with other people? You know, sometimes if you're in that competitive mindset and hard on yourself, were you similar with other people and you had to develop that in terms of a leadership role, in terms of trying to be co-founder, head of a company here, like accepting other people's shortcomings, failures? How does how does that kind of equation or that seesaw balance up? Oh yeah, 100%. Like, again, there's been men I've talked to here in New York that have been unbelievable for like my own development, both professionally and personally. But Brendan Lally, his name is, he's he's a real good friend. But he said something to me one time, like I was, you know, talking about work and he was like, well, those lads are doing as much as you are too. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you get into it like, oh, look at what I'm doing here for this. And both in football and in, and in work, you're like, I'm, you know, doing this, I'm not going here, I'm sacrificing this. Because again, I could talk all the crap I want here, but everybody has moments of doubts and whatever, you know? 100%. And, then, and he was like, well, those boys are probably going through the exact same thing too. And then again, taking a step back, looking at the bigger picture is like, well, yeah, I mean, I suppose they are. So that maybe explains why, you know, one of us is off form one day or something, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. But that can happen a lot in football as well, you know? But yeah, you definitely have to learn to, deal with that with other people too yeah because you need to be able to work in a team and with that dealing with different personalities people are going to be different to you you've got to like let certain things fly you know what i mean and like obviously call stuff out when you think it should be called out too but it's just a fine balance it's like difficult to kind of nail down 
definitely is. Um, I suppose like a good chunk of our chat there has been around kind of personal development and kind of the journey that you've been on, Mick. And I was just kind of as we move towards the end of this and conscious it's just hitting 8.25 p.m. there on a Wednesday evening. We're in New York City. I want to let you go home and I want to go home too. Um, but... The, that journey of personal development, and listen, this whole podcast here is the Players' Voice is done in partnership with the GPA's BO360 program, helps players in regards to, you know, life skills, well-being, dual career transitions. I just kind of wanted to touch base with you on your, one of those kind of people like, like you know, you've been an intercounty player in Ireland and here. Um, what part of, like, at what point does, did the GPA enter your life if it did and was it helpful or how has it kind of helped you on your journey to go from that kind of student in Belfast to being working in New York to now have been a co-founder of a company? Um, that's really exciting time and you're playing with New York here. Just tell me a little bit kind of about that side of it. Uh, yeah, it's been an unbelievable help ever since I was a student in Belfast. I know like the the additional money we received in Belfast was a godsend like thank god for it uh, but there's been so many people and again I don't want to leave anyone out but the likes of like Tomas Golden uh, like Karen and Tommy in the GPA and all there's been a load of people that have helped me out like even even now in New York before I started Zelta uh, I was doing an MBA at NYU uh, part time and the GPA were still like helping me out like financially with that which does go a long way because the cost of degrees over here crazy (laughs) yeah but there's like again maybe i'm not taking full advantage of it but one another good friend adrian varley he's galway lad but he's doing a master's to the gpa now and psychology funnily enough but there's those kind of opportunities open to people too and again i see on linkedin you know like the coaching workshops and stuff and it's unbelievable like what is being done for players you know so like i'd have nothing but good things to say about them again just from those kind of workshops and talks with people when I was living in Belfast and down to things the GPA would have got for us as players and helped us out with and other things like that. Like it was, it was a game changer. Yeah. When you were playing with down, so going back like those six, seven years, or you probably even go back a little bit further than that. Like, did you engage at that point to the journey or were you, was, was the relationship at that point kind of just kind of, you know, you're flowing along and getting like the scholarship or getting the few bits and bobs that kind of help you out. Um, I suppose I'm trying to get a kind of a track on when it kind of became more about the person development rather than maybe some of like the player support services. Yeah. I'm not sure actually, like to be honest, I remember meeting likes of Tomas for coffees and stuff in Belfast and it was, it was about your personal development, but again, Maybe those coffees were unbelievable in the sense that like you're literally nineteen twenty and you know, like Tomas is talking to you about, you know, what are you thinking about down the line? You know what I mean? And even someone just to put that question yes. to you, uh, gets you thinking. And then again, no doubt that thinking like that and letting that snowball in my head definitely led to me taking the chance to come to New York, you know? Because when you're like 19, 20, you think like life's always going to be like that. You know I know, what I mean? yeah. So it's good, <laughs> it's good to have someone to just stop you in your tracks and maybe just bring it up that, okay, like you're not going to be a kind of player forever. So like, what are you going to do to add strings to your bow to make sure that later in life you're going to be, you know, set in a better spot, you know? And then final question for you. You mentioned that kind of 19, 20 year old intercounty player kind of having someone saying to you, what's your plan down the line? What are you thinking, bud? 
if you had any advice kind of if it was back for yourself when you were 19 and 20 or also very fortunate to know that players male and female have been tuning in listening to various like various episodes of on the podcast benefit from players from all different walks of life and different experiences but I suppose my last question to you before I wrap up is just if you did have a piece of advice or kind of a key takeaway or reflection that you would pass on to that kind of with that 19 20 year old intercounty player in mind what would it be Mick? Uh, it would be to just take advantage of kind of as many opportunities to come your way and I say that in the sense of rule the dice, like obviously get your degree or make sure you're well established. Like again, I know a lot of people that are like have a trade or something. So do your apprenticeship, make sure you have that under your belt. But then you have a few years there where you can rule the dice because if it doesn't work out and even if it doesn't work out, the stuff you learn along the way could be, could work tenfold in your, in your favor down the line. So again, there'll be opportunities to come to you. And again, life, I don't want to say this on this podcast, but like there's more to life than just the GAA, you know? So like if you have an opportunity to do something that's maybe once in a lifetime, I would grasp it because again, you never know who you could meet on that adventure or what you could learn that could stand you in good stead. And I've always like came to New York and done things like that with the safety net of if this doesn't work out, I can go back and play for Caswell, you know? Yeah. So like, there's that always will be there. And that, knowing that kind of drives you on as well, because you're like, well, I can afford to take a big chance here because if it doesn't work out, I just go back to that. And I, I love doing that anyway. You know what I mean? So if anyone's young listening to this, I would say just take advantage of as many opportunities to come your way, because again, you never know what could come off it. That's the perfect note to wrap up on. Mick Cunningham, thank you for joining us on The Player's Voice. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of The Player's Voice, which is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. To listen to previous episodes with leading inter-county GA players like Patrick Horgan, Niall Morgan, Leah Caffrey and Ashing Thompson, make sure to subscribe by searching The Player's Voice on whatever podcast platform you prefer. And while there, you would really be helping us out if you rated or reviewed the show. My name is Alan O'Mara, and to find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant, go to www.realtalks.ie. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram if you have any feedback about this episode or want to suggest any future guests. And please don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's BO360 programme by visiting bo360.gaelicplayers.com. Thanks for listening.